Traditionally, different churches have found different ways to center their hearts during the season of Advent. And one of the ways we do this as a church family at One Fellowship is through the lighting of the Advent wreath. Today, we relight the first four candles of the Advent wreath, hope, peace, joy, and love. Today, we light the last candle of the Advent wreath. This is the Christ candle. This is a beautiful and appropriate reminder that at the center of this season and every season, Christ is our greatest true and living hope. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you were to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you so much, Mackerels. Can we give uh, Dargan and the family a round of applause? For those who are visiting, again, a warm welcome on behalf of our One Fellowship family. My name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. Before we dive into Matthew chapter 1, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray... Come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, let me begin by asking everyone this question. When you think of the best Christmas ever, what comes to mind? When you think of the best Christmas ever, what comes to mind? When I was around three years old, my brother asked for a train. I remember it vividly. When I was around three years old, my brother asked for a train for Christmas, and here's how it went down. The night before Christmas, my older brother Chris and I gathered in our kitchen, made sugar cookies with our mom, poured a huge glass of milk, wrote, or should I say scribbled, two notes to Santa with our wish list, and then we left these items on the countertop for the big fella to find. Next, we went to bed. Now, before sharing the rest of the story, let me just clarify something. When I say my brother asked for a train, he wasn't asking for something big or crazy. No, he was asking for one of those little battery-operated trains that you could place around your Christmas tree or around your living room and put little items on it, right? And at the time, mind you, mind you young people, 
There was no such thing as online gaming and no video games at all. That's how old I am. And we used to play with these little figures called G.I. Joe figures. They were plastic little figures. And my brother thought it would be awesome to get a train and for some reason let his little G.I. Joe figures ride around our living rooms. Thus, Chris asked for a train. So off to bed we went on Christmas Eve. We then woke up on Christmas morning, brushed our teeth, began walking down the stairs, and then we froze. We froze. Well, why did we freeze? Because on the first floor, right beneath us, looping around our entire living room wasn't a little train, no. There in our living room was a huge train, big enough to ride, set up for Chris and me to enjoy on that Christmas morning. It was spectacular. So let me ask again. When you think of the best Christmas ever, what comes to mind? This is what comes to mind for me, at least when I'm recounting the story. This is a picture of the little choo-choo that we got. And beyond just the engine, it had several cars attached to it. And I remember screaming in the top of my lungs, Chris, Chris, Santa got confused. He got us a wheel train, right? And I thought, this is the best Christmas ever. Allow me to share one more story. Came across this this last week. The story is told of a father who decided that Christmas was gonna be different this year. Accordingly, he called a family meeting and challenged his loved ones to be more intentional with their time during the business, busyness of the holiday season. He also called for everyone to cut down on their excessive spending and he further urged all of his family members to treat one another and their soon-to-visit relatives with love and respect. As he concluded his speech with great pride, he then shouted, let's make this the best Christmas ever. And that's when Johnny, his little eight-year-old son, paused and reflected on what he'd just heard and responded in sweet reverence, but dad, I don't, I don't see how we could ever improve on the first Christmas. I just love that. Little eight-year-old Johnny turned to his dad and said, but dad, I don't see how we could improve on that first Christmas. So one fellowship, when you think of the best Christmas ever, what comes to your mind? Today we gather to celebrate what? Christmas. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. Have you ever considered that we would not even be here today or tonight we would not even be celebrating this holiday had something big, and I mean really big, not happened. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered that all the lights, all the food, all the activities, all the gifts we give and we receive are meant to point us to something more or perhaps someone more? Have you ever thought of that? It's true. What makes the first Christmas the best Christmas ever? Friends, it's this abiding and game-changing truth. You are loved with an everlasting love, not through presence, but through the presence of Jesus. And that is the wondrous story of Christmas. Allow me to repeat that. You are loved 
with an everlasting love, not through presence, but through the presence of Jesus. And that's the wondrous true story of Christmas. Let's see this together through our passage, Matthew 1, which begins. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Frank, Jen, why does this matter? Why is this good news? Why would it cause the former atheist known as C.S. Lewis to become a believer in Jesus and then pen these words? Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. These are good questions, maybe even great questions. Allow me to return to my youth for another story. When I was in elementary school, our family lived on this street called Carlton Avenue in Little Lake Wells, Florida. And at the time, our neighborhood consisted of nice older people and uh, young, active families. Think uh, Mr. Rogers meets Goonies. Are you with me? It was the typical small town mix, okay? Now, some of you may find what I'm about to share next hard to believe, but that period in my life was actually hard for me. It was hard for me because I was the runt of the bunch in our neighborhood. I was the smallest and youngest boy in our neighborhood at that time. Consequently, I got picked on a lot. I got bullied. Has anyone here ever been bullied before? Thanks, Savannah. Thanks for your participation. It's not fun, is it? Well, I was picked on a lot, and I remember there was one boy in particular who liked to pick on me. His name was Brian. Brian would do things like take my bike and hide it in the woods or throw it down. He'd take my ball, throw it down the streets. He'd, he'd call me names and think it was hilarious, but it wasn't. It was hurtful. You get the picture. Well, one day, and I don't remember how it got started, but one day, Brian and I actually got in a real fight, a real fight. At the time, Brian was much bigger than me as he was two years older than me. And I remember Brian just whooping me. I, I do. I remember him hitting me in the stomach, throwing me uh, so hard into the grass and the dirt that I ended up going home with grass stains that night. And at one point, I even remember crying. So I was this little guy getting whooped uh, by Brian. And then something, or should I say someone, happened. Can you guess what? My brother showed up, and my brother stepped in. And what did he do? My brother whooped Brian. <laughs> he did. Thank you, Chris. 
I remember at the end of it all, he turned to Brian and said, never pick on my brother again. Then the two of us walked home together. Friends, have you ever experienced that kind of love and safety? Or should I ask it like this? Have you ever longed for that kind of love and safety? Turning back to our scripture today, the Israelites had. As a people, they had longed for love and safety for a very long time, and they'd continually been whooped by the people around them. Listen, by the time of our passage, the people of God had been under oppressive regimes like the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Romans, and so forth, and they were desperate for what? They were desperate for a savior. They were desperate for a deliverer. Do you know how many years had actually gone by since the Israelites had last heard from God? 400 years. That's what historians tell us. It had been over 400 years since the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, had been written. That's a very long time to feel desperate and exposed. And yet, here's the truth. That's the backdrop of the real Christmas story. It was full of pain and suffering and sorrow, and the people of God were desperate, maybe like some of you, desperate for something more, someone more to help them, to step in, to save them, to deliver them. Now returning to our passage, what does the angel tell Joseph in the dream? She, Mary, will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Does anyone know what that name literally means? Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. And let the fullness of that definition sink in. It means the same God who created the earth and the sky and the sea, the same God who rescued his people from bondage and slavery, the same God who led his people year after year through the wilderness, the same God who gifted his people a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, that God has come. Yes, that God has come to save his people. It means that the same God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from that fiery furnace, the same God who provided for Abraham on Mount Moriah when there seemed to be no way forward, the same God who rescued Daniel from the mouth of the lion's den, the same God who poured out his grace again and again throughout history on people like Sarah, Hannah, Naomi, and Ruth. Yes, that God has come, we're told. Yes, Yahweh has come to do what? To save us. Jesus, Yahweh saves. She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Friends, make no mistake, Jesus was no mistake. Jesus was and is the long-awaited Savior or Messiah, God in the flesh, who came to save us. That's the real story of Christmas. That's why C.S. Lewis again wrote, once in our world, a stable had something bigger than the whole world. But friends, there's, there's even more. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Returning to our opening story, do you know what happened to that amazing train we received when I was three years old? You know what happened to it? I don't either. 
I have no idea. In fact, if I step back and think about it, it makes me feel a little bad because I think it's probably in a landfill somewhere. The point being, that great present we received and its resulting excitement only lasted for a season. A season. You see, even the best gifts are meant to point us towards the greatest gift himself, which is Jesus Yahweh saves. And return with me to the story of my brother saving me in that fight. Do you think my brother has been able to stick with me uh, every day, every night since then? The answer is no. No, he's not been able to do that. The truth is no one can make that promise and keep it. That is, no one can promise you lasting safety and love with the exception of one, the one who was born in an obscure manger, in an obscure town, to an obscure mom and dad, in an obscure nation, at an obscure time in history. Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. Yahweh saves Emmanuel, Papa Mo, God with us. And that, friends, that is what makes the story of Christmas so beautiful and powerful. Jesus came not only to love you, he came to offer you eternal security, eternal safety. How? Through the gift of his presence, through thick or thin, through life and death. Step back from this Advent moment and think of the end of Jesus's time here on earth. Do you remember his last words recorded in the book of Matthew? Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here it is, friends. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Emmanuel, God with us. God with me. And Hannah, God with you, no matter what. And friends, we must remember that Jesus declared these actual words, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age after defeating the biggest bully of them all, death itself. Thus, we must see Christmas in light of Easter. We must see the whole story, the whole gospel. We know Jesus' promise is true and that it is sealed by his own blood shed on the cross for you and for me. And surely I am with you always, Gabby, to the very end of the age. Emmanuel, God with us. So friends, as we close, listen. I actually like presents. I love presents, certain presents. I really do. But no present can trump the greatest present ever given, and that is Jesus himself. For in Jesus, we find that love for which we all desperately long. And we find that safety that will never leave us alone. The first Christmas was the best Christmas because it's there that God sent us Jesus. Yahweh saves Emmanuel, God with us. Dave, God with me and God with you. So here's the invitation. Whoever you are and wherever you are in life, young or old, listen. The invitation is this. Return to that first Christmas with me tonight.
and rediscover Jesus. 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 Yahweh saves. Emmanuel, God with us. Friends, you are loved. You are loved with an everlasting love, not through presence, but through the presence of Jesus. And that is the wondrous story of Christmas. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Would you turn all of our hearts back to you where there's doubt? Would you give wisdom? Where there's hurt, would you provide healing? Where there's darkness, would you provide light? Give us that lasting hope, joy, and peace through Jesus today. For it's in his name we pray, amen.